Hello and welcome to another edition of Football Unfocused after a, an unplanned one week break. But one week by the standards of our uh, slackness <laughs> is not actually that bad. Uh, this is a podcast ostensibly about football of high quality um, hosted by Mark and Matthew. I am Mark. The other guy there is Matthew. Say hello, Matthew. Hello. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm really well, thank you, Matthew. Thank you for asking. <laughs> good, yes, good. yes. I was thinking, actually, I subscribed to the uh, Athletic um, this week, having sort of resisted the temptation for a long time, but it was like £2 a month for a year. And Athletic I know... Mints? Athletic Mints? No, The Athletic. Have you ever heard of The Athletic? Oh, is that some sort of newsletter or something? Yeah, it's a, it's a magazine. Like it's a... It's a digital sports publication that that basically was formed by getting a load of journalists, some of the best journalists from the UK press, various written publications and, and poaching them and getting them all to write often very in-depth and specialist articles on real intricate details of, of football. And they'll have a, they'll have a, an individual designated expert on every single football club as well. So you get the real um, um, coverage that you sort of wouldn't get elsewhere. Um, and I've always found the idea of it just a little bit tedious, but they do do some really good stuff. So, so far, so good. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. That was it. Yeah. Have you ever thought of writing for the... Um... The athletic, because obviously you have written think, for the fanzine. I think, I think yeah, I've, yeah, I've, ri- I've written for the Liverpool fanzine years ago, but a fanzine is a little bit more informal. This is like you can't just send in an article. I can't just like say, oh, I want to write, want to write about the life and career of Dominique Matteo. I'm going to submit, a, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to submit an article. I don't. I think you know they actually, uh, you know, commission and and employ proper, fully qualified, established journalists with reputations and black book full of contacts and you know insight they find out stuff that you know no one else is finding out what the fuck (laughs) am i finding out (laughs) you could point them towards this podcast well i have as as we'll we'll talk about momentarily i have just before we record this on thursday evening the day after west ham united win won the uh, europa conference league uh, i have just been for a walk with my uh uh nearly nine-month-old lodger, uh, just to assist the uh, lodger to have a good night's sleep, um, you know, a pre-bed uh, walk. And it happened to coincide with the uh, congregation of thousands of West Ham fans in my uh, local area uh, to welcome the returning heroes uh, home, and culminating in uh, the balcony of Stratford Town Hall, which is about half a mile from our front door. And, uh, yeah, I've just seen all manner of uh, humanity, which I'll go on to very gladly talk about. But before we start getting to... I was just, uh, just going to say, down. you've got a bit of hay fever, just to, mm. just to note that... Why do I sound that's... snuffly? <laughs> a little bit snuffly. Yeah. I remember well, I mean, my once eyes I was... absolutely burning. You're doing well to hold it together. Thank I you, mate. When I, was, uh, <laughs> when I was doing a GCSE exam, I think, and I remember just sniffing all the way through it. And I think one of our friends just got one of the teachers to come over to him and just said, can you get that guy to blow his nose? Yeah. <laughs> As in me. Yeah. So, yeah. 
But anyway, <laughs> I like the fact what... that you were in an exam <laughs> with someone who you'd been at school with by that stage for at least five years, and they didn't know your name. You were just that. No, guy. no, no. It was Felix. He said, "Oh, can you? Ah, can you get? Can you get into Blow his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a fair enough. There is ve- there are very few things more irritating than someone who just sniffing just in sniffs. an exam. <laughs> oh man. Well, just sniffs full stop. Just blow your fucking nose, mate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, not as disgusting as people who hock up though. That is like oh, that is inexcusable. No. I, feel I don't like, care if you've got a that, cold. I don't care if you've got hay fever, whatever. Just people who habitually just walk down the street, make a massive hock noise and gob. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll have to have a bit of a spit it. if I'm out running or whatever, you know, but yeah, there's yeah, a specific yeah. reason for that. But it's someone who's just like, they've just left their front door and straight away. Oh, is... <laughs> like, it's fucking <laughs> you. just got to think, man, you know, what kind of a person are you? Oh, mate. Anyway, <laughs> Matthew, uh, if, you, if you're listening for the first time, um, I do most of the football chat on here. Uh, so I ask Matt some enlightening questions about himself, about his views, about his ideas, about his knowledge, uh, to give an insight into uh, the, the sort of bloke uh, that he is, the, the, the enigma behind this mystery voice uh, that sometimes um, contributes to this podcast. <laughs> That's fair, Matthew, sometimes contributes. <laughs> I try not to, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against yeah. my better judgment. Matthew, I've never asked a question like this before, so here we go. Do you know <laughs> how 3D printing works? <laughs> uh, n- no, I've never seen a 3D printer. But I remember I, I lived with someone who, he kind of did a bit of work for Williams. He was kind of... Um, yeah, who's employed by them? Williams, and the he, Formula One team. Formula One team, and not he said Will, that not Williams Hill. No, no, the Formula One team, mm. and he said they had a three D printer where they could just basically mock up sort of designs of engines, so they could literally have an engine that would, in theory, work if it wouldn't just melt under the pressure of having fuel pumped through it or whatever. But it is what I don't get that I would like you to explain to me because I, I've, yeah. I so I was listening to a thing earlier about how uh, at some point the hu- humanity is going to attempt to put property on the moon and construct uh, buildings <laughs> through 3D printing. Now, is it, am I not understanding that because the use of the word printer or printing is misleading? Does it actually mean printing? or Or am I not stupid in wondering how the hell even if you do kind of create something through modeling and in a 3d image how then do you when when it comes to the actual print bit out of the fucking bricks <laughs> and uh and all the other shit the foundations and the windows and the cement get in the fucking printer <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no that's a good point yeah so so in Did you write question, that? Do the... you know how 3D printing works? No, it can only be done in plastic at the moment. But yeah, you can't you oh. can't print you can't print bricks. I heard you could 3D print a gun. Yeah, yeah, a plastic gun. Right. So it wouldn't be, <laughs> so it'd be an, like a toy gun. Yeah, but you could probably get it to fire a a form of a bullet, like a plastic bullet. Yeah, I suppose yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe rubber bullets or something as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are rubber bullets fired from a plastic gun? Find out on the report back next week. (laughs) 
Matthew, <laughs> question two. Matthew, what's 23 times 47? Is this a significant question? No. Just wondering whether you know. Mm, no. Uh, maybe maybe 300 or something? No, it'd be more than that. No, 3,000? 3,000, that's what you're going for. 23 times 47, 3,000. Okay, let me actually just find out. Where is it? 1,081. Oh, you're wrong. Yeah. So, <laughs> just, sorry, I'm just going to make a note of that. That's the last time I ask you for a mathematical answer. Uh, no, you're, you're clearly even less of an authority on that than you are on uh, the ins and outs of 3D printing. <laughs> I'm just narrowing down your areas of expertise here. <laughs> Matthew, this is one of the hypothetical questions that I know you love. Uh, given the chance, one-off chance, would you take the opportunity to change your name from Matthew to something, say, dynamic like Gordon, Nigel, Brian, or Scott? <laughs> not those names. Right. Not those, those. But and why not? They're fine names. Nigel? I'm not N- sure. Nigel. Yeah, it, yeah. And what, give you Brian? echoes of Farage. Mm. Brian, what's yeah, wrong with Brian? Yeah. Brian Blessed? Brian Moore? Yeah. Yeah, no, I suppose those were good. Brian Moore, mm. he's from Gamesmaster. Um, and I was thinking of Brian Ranger. Moore, the uh, iconic football commentator oh. from the 60s, 70s and 80s and 90s. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Him too. Probably most synonymous uh, with sort of ITV coverage. He's probably most famous line was the 1989 title of the it's Anfield. No, that's Kenneth Wilson home. Oh, sorry. Brian Moore was, <laughs> it's up for grabs now when Michael Thomas goes through to score against uh, against Liverpool at Anfield to give Arsenal their first title since, uh, I believe, 1971. That was in 1989. Right. I mean, what but you wouldn't, you wouldn't icon- take Brian? Yeah, more more Brian than Nigel, definitely. Yeah. What about Scott? Scott's okay. <clears throat> yeah, you'd take it one? over Matthew? Uh, Gordon? No, not Gordon. Okay. So those two, Brian or Scott. But I would just give some examples of dynamic names. I mean, oh, what right. name would you choose? Would you basically the question's asking you, would you swap the name Matthew with any other name given the, I think, given the chance? Yeah, maybe when I got if you know, when sort of I think of my nan and you know, her name was Doris and Eunice. My nan I had a nan called Doris. Yeah. I, I think that's <laughs> but Rest in peace, yeah. Doris. Yeah, yeah, mine too. Yeah. And Doris's. Um, yeah, and all Doris's out there. Which is, of course, a pejorative term for a female. Used oh, by, right. Yeah. Used by exactly the sort of people that I've just walked past around Stratford to the town hall. <laughs> Funnily enough. Uh, uh, so when I get to that age, I, w- I, w- I would wonder, it's like, oh, it'd be nice to have a name that is sort of like Leaf or... or lethal. Le- leaf or something cool, you know, that young people I have. That you've just picked out the name Leaf. Like is that. it Leaf? Is that the name I mean, of a Coldplay, Coldplay singer's kid? Uh, I've got no idea. I knew he had a kid called Apple. Uh, Le- oh, leaf is a suburb of Edinburgh, isn't it? Sunshine <laughs> on Leaf is a song oh, right. by uh, the uh, what are they called Proclaimers. Is it the Proclaimers? Yeah, what they're fucking called. Anyway, right, this conversation is going nowhere. I mean, so you, so I will just make a note of the fact that you, um, you'd uh, like to be called Leaf. No, that, no, no. Is but it L E I T H or L E A F? 
Oh, I'd have to find out who where I got that name. I from. love, I love, yeah, but I love the idea that that was the, the first, the first uh, example of a cool name that came into your head was Leaf. <laughs> Just like I'd have to last in the no. last episode, which I listened to back today, because as as I've mentioned before, I often listen to the previous episode just before we're about to record, so I'm familiar with what we spoke about in order to try and avoid repetition and, on occasion, when appropriate, provide some continuity. And I note on there that you um, said you couldn't get on board with conversations with young people because they talk about TikTok and memes. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And they're all called Leaf, aren't they? Uh, these bloody yeah. youngsters are all called Leaf and they yeah. talk about TikTok. Oh, but they're so out of touch. I was thinking that the other day about how I said that. But I really don't, I don't begrudge them. It's just that I don't relate. You I made you relate. made that very clear before. You don't have to keep defending yourself, Matthew. Okay, You're not sorry, on trial. Right. <laughs> yeah, this isn't not, the uh, not the moment. This no, this isn't the COVID inquiry uh, yet. Uh, <laughs> actually, I want to make one thing clear. Having listened back to that last episode, you remember when I started ranting at the end of the last one about how it really annoyed me how uh, I was talking about kind of like the point of a league season being to get as many points as possible and therefore yeah. and therefore that you shouldn't underestimate what an achievement it is to get more points than anyone else has ever done in because the format's exactly the same so that it kind of marks you out as the greatest team ever just factually um and uh i think the, the reason i don't what i didn't make clear when i listened back to it is is the reason why that sort of winds me up and that's because whenever i hear sort of conversations about particularly the City team, but in recent years, Liverpool have fallen into this as well. And when they are being praised on the basis of their extraordinary points tally, I hear so many uh, ex-footballer pundits, or excuses for pundits, just completely undermine that, saying it doesn't matter how many points you get. If you win the league by one point, uh, that's all that matters. And I just don't agree with that. I I don't. I just think if you win the league with a hundred points, that is significantly better than winning the league with seventy-eight points. It just, it just <laughs> is, uh, yeah. you know, by by twenty-two points. Um, <laughs> so I just don't, I just don't get that. You know, I, I, yes, winning the league under any circumstance is an extraordinary achievement, and you know, any fan of a club that does that is rightly proud. But I don't think it's wrong to suggest that the team that has done that by getting the most points is that is the the greatest achievement and it just it it really annoys i think it's i think it's deliberately undermined by a certain type of pundit because it is so sort of binary and black and white and, and difficult to argue against and if it, if football is one thing um that characterizes its uh, its coverage and its punditry it is just you know gobs on a stick who just like to argue the unarguable and they don't like being presented with facts uh, because nothing, no, no fact is more important than a spurious opinion. Uh, but, but anyway, Matthew, what have you noticed about watching football? You know, we've had a two week break. Uh, you, you must've been watching. You know, the season's ended. It has. And the as, we, happened. as we suspected, Leicester, Leicester city champions from just seven years ago are now a championship team. Leeds United, who I was delighted, um, returned to the Premier League 
only lasted three seasons and are now gone as well. And Southampton, you know, they sort of slipped away as the least dramatic of the three. But they are, you know, they're not on the on the par with certainly Leeds or even Leicester these days. But they're they're still a big club with a big following. Um, and they were interestingly three teams. All the promoted teams um, stayed up, and they were three, you know, established, relatively established, sort of Premier League. Um, Mainstays, to an extent. Um, so I suppose that is worthy of note. Also, Luton Town have uh, won the uh, Championship playoff match as well, didn't they? So Luton Town are going to be the newest team to... I, again, I fucking hate saying this because they've, they've had many, many years in the top flight in their history, but in the, quote, Premier League, you know, they're going to be the, the, the newest... Um, uh, club to join the list of um, of teams that have made it into there. And that is going to be absolutely fascinating to see uh, the TV cameras and all of the opposition teams, um, how they are going to cope with playing in such a cramped stadium that famously you have to kind of walk almost around someone's living room to get in the away end um, because it is so cramped and packed in around terraced houses. But all the better for it in my opinion, Matthew, you know, I I would rather watch a football match at a ground like that than some fucking characterless, out-of-town, you know, dunking donuts mega bowl in the middle of a retail park next to a fucking next outlet, a B&Q and a McDonald's drive through You know, the all-American sport experience, let's all drive the car to the fucking car park, and, you know, it's pathetic. Whereas, you know, a proper old-school Victorian uh, era football stadium in and amongst the people from the community that it represents, uh, only really accessible through people who use uh, public transport and uh, therefore uh, conduct in that in that communal experience that really adds to attending a big sporting event like that. And uh, yeah, it is. You know, it's, it, are you going to go? Well. I struggle to get access to uh, Liverpool away tickets at the best of times, but that is a stadium that holds uh, only around 10,000, which means that the away allocation, they don't even have to give you 10% as an away allocation. They do for FA Cup. but So the, the away allocation at Luton's probably going to be about 700 or something like that. So I'd say my chances of getting an, a legitimate away ticket next season for Luton Town are somewhere approaching zero. Um, but I'd love to go. So if anyone's listening and wants to give me a ticket for Luton away next season, then um, you know I'm very much open to offers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, but I, I've I've probably been as guilty as anyone in the past of falling into the trap of just immediately dismissing a club like that when they get promoted. Did it with Brentford a couple of years ago. Did it with Sheffield United a couple of years before that. Of just saying you come up through the playoffs, you're you're not going to have the the sort of economic resources to completely overhaul your squad with uh, sufficient quality players. So you're going to go down. And I think what recent football um, history has demonstrated is actually, if you've got a coherent way of playing and a really, really tight uh, team spirit in a well-run club with motivated players who play for each other and are concentrated on the, the sort of collective goal then I think it's very, very possible to come into the Premier League and make an impact. It's it's really fucking difficult. But you look at the first season of Sheffield United. I mean, admittedly, they went down in the second season, but they're back now. That first season, they were out 
outrageously uh, good and exciting to watch. You know, they brought innovative tactics to the game, the, the famous overlapping centre-backs, etc. Uh, Brentford have just, you know, almost seamlessly now, What that you could argue that they are among the smallest clubs that have ever made it into the Premier League. And now they look completely sort of safe as houses. You know, a, a top half Premier League team after only two seasons. Brighton, you know, part of the furniture now, playing in uh, Europe. Fulham had a really solid first season back in the Premier League. No reason to think that they would struggle um, next season. And even like, you know, Burnley, who had what what best part of a decade in the Premier League, went down and have now come back up, straight back up. So clubs at that level, there is evidence to show that even if they are an economic disadvantage to the real powerhouses of the Premier League, if if you tick certain boxes, it's by no means a certainty um, that you will go down. Probably, it's it's strange because years ago, I would have said, uh, you know, the, the gap between the, the Premier League and the Championship, it was still enormous, but it's probably not as big as it is now. But yet, when clubs, for example, like Blackpool, who I think did a season in the Premier League around sort of 2010, 11, around that sort of time, and it felt inevitable that he, despite a couple of little surges and, you know, good result here and there, that they were always going to go down with. It doesn't quite feel like that now. But as I'm sort of saying, it, that is a bit of a contradiction because it's at the same time as the Premier League has never been more uh, powerful and uh, economically far away from sort of everyone else and also high quality. You know, the the, the quality in the league is, has probably never been stronger. Every single club pretty much have, has, has got, you know, excellent players in there. I mean, the three teams that have gone down this season are, you know, they're, they're sort of packed full of, multi-million pound, high-value international footballers. And they're, you know, relegation fodder. So, um, so yeah, so if I was, if I, if someone held a gun to my head, I would still say Luton are likely to go down next season, but I, I would not uh, describe it as the certainty that uh, I would have done before. And uh, it's an amazing achievement just getting um, all the way up to the Premier League so soon after they were playing sort of National League stuff uh, less than a decade ago. Unbelievable. Um, and the FA Cup final, Matt, did you enjoy that? Uh, yeah, I was trying to watch it. I was also trying to, um, uh, I bought a carpet cleaner. Um, so I was doing that at the same time. It's quite noisy. So mm. I didn't. Was this one of these shampoo done. jobs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What so brand? I didn't. Vax. Oh, you got Vax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give it a rating um, out of five. Well, I bought it off eBay, uh, mm. which I think. And uh, the, the one of the water tanks was leaking, so. Right. But that's probably not the brand's fault. Just well, you've opinion. bought a second-hand uh, carpet. Yeah. Carpet. Does it also <laughs> perform the function of a Hoover? It will do the shampoo. No. Well, like... I think some do, but this one doesn't. No. Right. Was, but yeah. Was, so I, was this I, a necessary purchase because of your wolf? It was. It is. Mm. Uh, she's prone to shitting in the front lounge. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Good, yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, so no, you were, so I, you were cleaning the carpet whilst half concentrating on the FA Cup final, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I missed the goal, I missed the first goal, which wasn't, I, I wouldn't say is entirely undefensive, under, yeah, you know, because it happened so quick, uh, yeah, I had to rewind it and uh, and watch it again. Mm. Is that and again, that was because of distraction to 
carpet cleaning. It no, it wasn't. That was just because I just wasn't fully cosmic. Yeah, well, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think in twelve seconds something like that would happen. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I would, one thing I, I would... did notice at half time though. Sorry, just uh, sorry, took over. One thing I did notice is the amount of empty seats at half time. Yeah, you know, it took ages for it to fill back up again. But that's because I mean that's one of the many many things I could talk forever about how much I fucking despise Wembley, the modern Wembley, um, as a everything about it, really. Um, it's awful. And one of the worst things, which I've never really understood why they do it, because it, it undermines, bear in mind that even though it's a massive stadium with 90,000 people in it, you know, the, the majority of the millions, hundreds of millions, if not billions, who can watch an event at Wembley all over the world, their, their, their experience of it is based around that TV shot and the the TV shot at kickoff focuses on the the bit of the crowd that you that is most prominent is the area above and around the um, dugouts where the coaching teams are, and they are Cl- Club Wembley uh, seats. So they're people who have brought like long term, believe like over a, mostly a ten year period um, tickets that entitle them to uh, you know sort of like a corporate level ticket for every event that happens at Wembley. And those people are there for just by nature. They, they go and watch everything that's at Wembley. So they're not necessarily passionate fans of, you know, whatever club are playing there that day or, or national team or whatever. And and also they they enjoy the corporate jolly. So they're not, you know, they're going to come back late after half time because, you know, they're having their uh, their volivants and, uh, <laughs> you know, a, uh, and a can of Shandy Bass, um, you know, living live the, live the high life. Uh, but but yeah, it is so visible, isn't it? Every time you see like just a trickle of them coming back, and like fifteen minutes into the second half, often until yeah. it's properly full again, and it it just makes it look shit. It really yeah, does. Yeah, but yeah. you know everything about fucking Wembley, um, even down to the way that the self-important uh, uh, twat on the tannoy insists every year, every fucking year, on shouting through the microphone the name of the club that's just won the cup just as the captain lifts it up and it completely drowns out the 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 roar the greet you know the, the greets the lifting of the trophy and that's a that to me denies the the in stadium uh, fan their moment of connection with that with that um uh sort of piece of time in their club's history and that sort of you know that 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 sort of traditional moment and it's a special moment and you don't want it drowned out by some twat. But, you know, the, 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 the overbearing tannoy at Wembley is for the second you go through the turnstile, it just hits you like a fucking, uh, like, like, I don't know, it's like a, having a drone attack in your ears and your, your <laughs> senses. It's absolutely horrific uh, to the extent that by the time it then stops and they will carry on that just, that fucking breakneck noise until the second the game kicks off. So you'll often hear then there's like a lull because all of a sudden people can hear themselves. But then it's because atmosphere, pre-match atmosphere hasn't been able to generate organically, it then struggles to get going. And also then because the stadium is so massive and as a result of that, fans supporting the same club, the the, the end, um, the ends where the fans of individual clubs are, are so big that like people right from the very top are singing one song, people right at the very bottom are singing another. So it's really kind of disjointed. And as a result, you actually get really long periods, even for like the biggest games of quiet. And it will sound really, really quiet. Um, 
but yeah, but that's just fucking Wembley. It's shite. But City were significantly better, weren't they? Like on the day. I mean, I thought mm. they 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 really should have won that game had it not been for a dodgy penalty. So if yeah. if if the other lot hadn't defended so uh, belligerently, that that was really in terms of share of the match, that was a four or five nil match really. Um, that ended two one. So I suppose you should, we should give credit to uh, to Ten Hag's lot for for making it look respectable at two one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the... do you want them to win the treble this weekend, Matthew? I think I do. Yeah, yeah, Why? I do. Uh, I think well, they're probably because they're the better team. Should mm. yeah, and, and I have no sort of real affinity to Inter Milan. Inter- yeah, very good. Well done, Matt. <laughs> you know, look at you knowing who's in the Champions League. Oh, from. my days, yeah. Very good. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, for those reasons. You'd probably you? expect me, wouldn't you, Matthew, to to not want them to do the treble. No, no, I think I, I'm quite... Yeah, the, the, the suggestion you've always generally given is that you're quite happy for City to win. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I don't... There's, there's a definite... And, and you don't, and you don't like... Inter Milan as much as AC Milan. No, that's completely the other way around. I really like Inter Milan. Oh, sorry. One of my one of my favourite Italian teams, probably of the big clubs in Italy, they'd be my favourite. Either them or maybe Roma. Um, uh, But uh, my main, when I talk about City, I really split it. There's two very different answers. I don't. I respect um, the fact that they've got a core of a fan base who have followed them through thick and and that maintains to this day and only just over 20 years ago the, the, the year that they were watching their uh, close rivals uh, local rivals win their treble in 1999 City were playing in the League 1 playoff final against Gillingham coming back from a couple of goals down and winning a dramatic match um, on penalties to get back up to the second tier of English football so you know that is a remarkable um, sort of turnaround in that what 23 24 years since then um, so I respect that it's difficult not to enjoy the way they play football I find very few of their players objectionable in fact I love watching them play they are magnificently good you know they play amazing stuff I, I love watching like Ilkay Gundogan and John Stones play football in particular you know they don't get necessarily the headlines that Haaland and De Bruyne get but just they're just fucking brilliant and they, you know Stones, there was this one turn he did in the final where he, he received the ball on the edge of his own area with two opposing players right on him. And he just turned and glided away from them. The confidence mm. and the uh, technical, um, the, you know, sort of mastering of his of his technical ability to do that is, is you, you genuinely ha- don't see that very often in a central defender of any type or any era. I think even someone like Rio Ferdinand, Certainly, by the time he was uh, in during his old Trafford years, wouldn't have been doing that. Maybe he was a bit he was a bit more flamboyant uh, at West Ham in the early part of his career. Um, but yeah, no, they're really, really good, and all, all that stuff. And even Pep, he can be a bit of a bit of a twat sometimes, and a bit of a sore sore loser, and a bit sort of petulant and spiky in interviews. But you know what? As I've said many times on here, I think like th- these managers have to have to cope with a lot of. Uh, press and a lot of inane repetitive questions um, so I don't necessarily judge him on that and he is the most incredible manager and, and you know you could definitely make a case that he's the greatest football manager and most revolutionary football manager of all time so all those things I think yep 
but then, you know, every time Liverpool play them, they sing horrible songs about um, people who died at Hillsborough. So, you know, that, that that definitely dampens my affection for them. But ultimately, what it will come down to is there is one club who sing a lot more unpleasant songs about Hillsborough and, in fact, who had one man arrested from their number last week for actually going to a sports shop and having 97, uh, was it not enough or something, printed on the back of a shirt wearing it out. And thankfully, uh, he's now facing the legal consequences of that. Uh, and... I, I, I think the main reason that I'm, I'm relatively happy to see City win uh, the treble is because it will deny uh, the other lot their, uh, their main sort of bragging um, uh, facts that they like to you know, sort of pull up and say that no one else had won the treble. And it will be a much better treble, a much better way of winning it, much more convincing and dominant all the way through their league winning campaign, their Champions League winning campaign. You know, FA Cup um, uh, actually beating their biggest rivals in the final as well. So, and that will really, really irritate uh, the other lot. So, for that reason, I'm quite happy to to watch. Uh, you know, was it they say your enemy's enemy is your friend? Um, so, but having said that, you know, if it, if it was just a one off game and none of those emotions and factors were involved, I would 100 percent be supporting Inter because I do really like Inter. I think it would be good for football for an Italian club uh, to win it. Um, for the first time since Inter themselves uh, won it in uh, 2010, wasn't it? And they actually that was a, in a treble season for them. They won the Coppa Italia, Syria, and the Champions League under Mourinho in that season. So that'd be pretty remarkable. Um, did, so you didn't watch West Ham last night, then uh, Matthew? No, was it on terrestrial? No, it was on BT. I don't actually. Oh, okay, I know that the champion. No, but hold on. I know that the. Ch- because I subscribe anyway, I don't Champions know whether... Champions League is... Champions League, yeah, they yeah, have yeah. to show the final. So BT becomes a free-to-air channel, doesn't it? On that night. So it, it, it just appears on everyone's box. I don't know whether that was true of the um, Conference League uh, last night. Maybe not. But um, as a Spurs fan, I'm assuming you were absolutely delighted that um, uh, West Ham <laughs> picked up a, a major European trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they've... they've... Yeah, another London team doing better than um, than Tottenham have been and are doing. Yeah, I mean, I, well, you said that. Uh, I think that um, you know, there, it's. I've said, I've said again on here that I'm I'm actually a really big fan. I think the introduction of the Conference League has been a really, really good thing. Um, certainly based on the first two seasons of it. And looking at that final last night and seeing what it's meant to the fans of Roma last year who won it and then West Ham in the last 24 hours, it's difficult to argue there's been anything other than than an enormous, overwhelming um, success. And living where I do, you know, literally 25 minutes before um, we started recording this podcast, I was out um, with my lodger. Uh, as I explained earlier, I think I can't even remember what I was talking about before. Uh, having a little pre-bed walk, and uh, it was amongst uh, just thousands and thousands of West Ham fans lining the street in anticipation for their trophy lift and the bus open top bus tour. Um, I will say one thing uh, that is quite an interesting, and I don't really know what my conclusion is here. It is just an observation, and it's something I suppose I would always observe with West Ham in that they are representative of a very specific area of East London, which is one of the most uh, multicultural and multi-ethnic uh, areas in the uh, in the entire country. 
Um, and that is, but I would argue that on the whole, that is most certainly not reflected in uh, their demographic fan base uh, and the, you know, in inside the stadium and the sort of people I've just seen um, in and around the parade. It's not to say there isn't representation because there is. That would be wrong to say. I certainly saw many uh, uh, families and individuals uh, representative of various um, ethnic minority backgrounds, but not anywhere close to the proportion that would be a accurate reflection of the area that they so proudly represent. And it is, in you know, I'd throw into that the observation that in the 24 hours prior to the final, uh, I was listening to a, a sort of five live preview show and the sort of people, you know, that they got on there as guests, you know, West Ham legends, Tony Cotty was on there, uh, Trevor Brookie was on there. And they, they're not just sort of West Ham players, but they're sort of, you know, local boys done good. You know, Tony Cotty loves to go on about how he's from Forest Gate and born and bred a West Ham man and, you know, brought his son up to say, you know, he, he took his son to football for the first time and they lost 3-0 at home to Wigan. And he said, Dad, is it always like this? And he, he said yeah it is sometimes but it doesn't matter that's not what it's about because you're a West Ham boy but it's interesting because it's all this kind of like East London uh you know jelly deals pie and mash uh you know lovely jubbly kind of stuff but that's not really I would say that 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 kind of vibe is now more a romanticized view of uh, an inaccurately romanticised view of a sort of an East London of the past uh, that is held and cherished from mostly uh, white working class and, and middle class people who now live in Essex and beyond and uh, get themselves in via the train for the West End matches in their, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, sprayed on uh, uh, incredibly uh, sort of um, circulation defying uh tight jeans and uh, sockless deck shoes and uh, permatan and often a sort of, you know, a Peaky Blinders cap. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's just an observation. I'm not judging. <laughs> I'm just saying that that's, that's what they are. Uh, so, but, but it is, I mean, it is difficult to argue with, with the transformative impact. Even the, actually, do you know what? Forget transformative. Whether or not this goes on to have a long-term meaning to West Ham or not is, is almost immaterial. It's given those fans an opportunity for the first time in you know three or four generations to actually celebrate winning something major, and that that feeling is an amazing thing. And like you know, seeing kids and people of all ages sort of out on the street and in the stadium last night and in the coverage from Prague over the last couple of days that is a that's you know. If you, I mean, I don't mean this to sound patronising. I realise, as you know, a supporter of a club that's been in three out of the last six Champions League finals, it can, you can feel a little bit of a twat, sort of saying, "Oh, we will damn you!" But, but seriously, it is, it is, it's an amazing thing, and and you know, having experienced those type of of occasions, it is so special just to be involved, just to get get over there and you know, be part of that. I mean, one of the things I really learned, having been to you know sort of Madrid and Paris and and Athens in my life of, of, of big sort of Champions League finals, in which Liverpool lost two of them, is that I think if ever you know I were to not get a ticket, I would still hundred percent go because m- m- the vast majority of the, um, the the precious memories are actually from before the match and in and around the match, and obviously if you win after the match, um, 
and just sort of you know that experience, the excitement, the camaraderie, the you know just colonising a town square uh, and, and throw fucking beers around you. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, Terrorising the locals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, shouting, <laughs> "Get me another fucking beer!" Yeah, you check whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, culture, culture. They call it culture. But no, but like it is. It, and you know, and as a result, West Ham now have essentially got themselves qualification for the Europa League next season, for which they would have had to finish uh, sort of sixth or above in the league to do. And they've, they've what did they? They finished about fourteenth or something. And now they're they're in. They're above uh, a lot of much bigger, more successful clubs who um, haven't made it into Europe next season. And they've got a you know, there's only three European trophies across the whole vast continent up for grabs, and West Ham have won one of them. And last night, you know, hundreds of millions of people will have been watching. You know, West Ham United. You know, they're now going to have sort of much bigger name recognition and um, you know, following and interest sort of going into next season. So it shows you that it, similar thing to a lesser extent because obviously it's not on the European stage. But I would get really frustrated with clubs of that kind of middling level Premier League teams who don't go all out to win the League Cup because you know football is all about winning stuff. And why would you put out your youth team for a League Cup match in? September or October, before the fixtures really, really pile up, if you're not going to play, be playing European football that season and there's not a lot else going on, fucking go for it. You know, try and win it. That's what it's all about. That's why fans don't support clubs because, you know, the the, the grim um, um, quest to finish in the top four just so, you know, the next season you can get knocked out in the Champions League group stage, but you'll have uh, lined the coffers a little bit and be able to bring in a slightly better quality mercenary who doesn't give a shit uh, for the next season. You know, it's about it's about actually memories of winning stuff. And that's why people uh, follow football. That's why it's a very special sport. So, yeah, well done to West Ham, even though some of their fans uh, were uh, acting like the morons that they are by chucking uh, plastic cups at the players during a match and uh, gave the Fiorentina captain a right old gash on his head. But I don't think it was deliberate. They weren't throwing razor blades. So, you know, maybe we'll let them off to an extent because, you know, a lot of them did get attacked during the day by uh, marauding Fiorentina fans. So, yeah. Anyway, so that's a busy couple of weeks. Champions League final on Saturday. I think what we should do as well uh, to sort of mark the end of the season at some stage when um, when I've actually had a think, uh, Matthew, is to maybe uh, present some end-of-season football unfocused awards for, you know, various, maybe some some really quirky and hilarious awards for like, you know, <laughs> oh, you know real funny stuff like, twat of the season and transfer flop and you know the the clubs that more was expected of them but they uh you know uh really fell on their faces stuff these like are good that. categories already as long as we can get the actual people to receive them on on the podcast as well but that would require us to actually buy buy some trophies are you gonna you're gonna pay for oh them? right well yeah if the person then comes on to receive it i would okay yeah yeah <laughs> Okay, I'll give Richarlison a ring. Uh, <laughs> get in contact. Okay, so on that on that optimistic bombshell, uh, join us please for next week's uh, uh, special edition, which will have Richarlison um, joining <laughs> us for a one-on-one in-depth interview about his season and his over-celebration for uh, an equaliser at Anfield that then... 30 seconds later, made him look like a right twat. Just like to know how he feels about it. Uh, and uh, so it's time to say goodbye from me. Goodbye from Matthew. Say goodbye, Matthew. Goodbye, Matthew. And, and, uh, uh, the oldest of the best, <laughs> I know. See you next week.